0: Let's open our Bibles to the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. The book of Hebrews, chapter 11. It's that great faith chapter. And we'll also have you to open to Genesis, chapter 6, because we'll have to read some verses there before we get into the furtherance of the message. Hebrews, chapter 11, and then also Genesis, chapter 6. So let me read first of all, in Hebrews 11, it says in verse 7, By faith, Noah. Now, if you look back in verse 4, it said, By faith, Abel. Verse 5, By faith, Enoch. And now verse 7, By faith, Noah. It tells what each of these did. So, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. In the Genesis chapter 6, I want to read this for background for our message. We'll begin reading with verse 5. and It says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's a very important verse. We'll come back to it later. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat. Uh, three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Then he says, Make me an ark of gopher wood. And he tells him, and we won't read all the description of the ark. That will suffice for our message. But he was providing for Noah if he would build an ark, a place of safety and refuge for he and his family, and for all who would come in. But unfortunately, Noah and his wife and the three sons and their three wives were all that entered in eight souls. So we want to bring you a message basically on Noah's faith. And we'll turn back again to Hebrews 11, verse 7, where it says, And I'll read it again. By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Now then, I'll give you somewhat an introduction to what we've had so far in the 11th of Hebrews about Abel and Enoch, and then we'll get to Noah. By faith, Noah will be our text. In verse 4, we saw in Abel, faith worship. Remember, he offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And we saw faith worship, worship by sacrifice. And then in verse 5, we saw faith walk in the life of Enoch. It says, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Back in the book of Genesis, it says that he walked with God. 300 years after he begat Methuselah. A long, steady walk with God. And we preached on Noah's walk. So this morning, in verse 7, we see Faith's witness in Noah's life. His witness by what? By his life and his work. And we've referred to Genesis chapter 6 and have already read that. And We need to look at that uh, wicked condition of the earth in Noah's day. And we've already read where it was corrupt. The earth was filled with violence and corruption. Man's thoughts and practices were only evil continually. Jesus compares the days before. Is coming to be very much like the days of Noah. In fact, in Matthew chapter 24, we find in verse 37, he says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. We find the same thing in Luke 17, if you want it verses 26 through 35. Peter tells us that God's long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing. That's First Peter 3, verse 20. It said earlier that man's days would be 120 years in the book of Genesis. We did not read that portion. That God would be long-suffering toward man. 120 years while Noah was building the ark. Do you know Methuselah lived to be 969 years of age then? The oldest recorded life of a man in the Bible, as far as I know in history. 969 years. And the Bible says that God was long-suffering in the days of Noah. Do you know? We taught on this earlier when Enoch walked with God, 600 years after he begat Methuselah, and showed you how that when Methuselah died, the judgment can. and that his name meant when he is gone, it shall be sent. Isn't it amazing that God would let him live longer than any man and show his long suffering because his life was a prophecy of the judgment that was to come? So we can see that the very life of Methuselah is a testimony to the long suffering of God in those days. We had you to figure that out last week. Didn't all of you do your math? I hope you did. Now then, but in spite of God's long suffering, as Peter says, God, God's long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, 1 Peter 3, verse 20. But in spite of that, men were then, even as they are now, disobedient and unrepentant and would not turn to God. And we have the same conditions that exist today. Men that are disobedient and men that are unrepentant and men that will not turn to God. So that God had no choice but to destroy the earth in judgment, and that in the form of a flood upon the earth, which he had told Noah. But Noah, it says in Genesis 6, 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, grace is the foundation of every life that's pleasing to God. A man must find grace in order to be pleasing to God. And grace is the source of all of our blessings. Did you know the Bible teaches that we're not under the law, but under grace? The Bible says that by grace you're saved. The Bible says we're standing in grace, Romans 5, verse 2. In Titus 2, verse 11 and 12, we're taught by grace. The grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. The Bible says to grow in grace, 2 Peter 3 verse 8. Speaking in grace, Colossians 4 verse 6. Ministering grace, 1 Peter 4 verse 10. And looking for the grace that is to be brought at Christ's coming. 1 Peter 1 verse 13. It says we look for the grace. You know, imagine being saved by grace and walking in grace, and living in grace, and standing in grace, and all the blessings that come upon us by the grace of God. And then it, then the Bible tells us in Peter that we're to be looking for the grace that is to be brought unto you, brought unto us, at the appearing of Jesus Christ. There's more on the way, is what we're saying. I mean, I thought it was enough now, but there's more on the way at Christ's coming. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, the character of Noah is, Noah is described in Genesis 6, verse 9, let me give you this. In verse 9, we read it a moment ago. Genesis 6, verse 9, and it says, these are the generations of Noah. Now, notice three things. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. He was just and perfect, and he walked with God. These three things show us his character as it's described. He's the first man who was so-called, who was so-called just. Now, we know Abel was just, and Enoch was just, but Noah was the first one of whom it was said that he was just. There were others before him, but they were justified in the same way that Noah was. Because the ground of justification, by the way, is faith in the blood of Christ. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 9, it says this, "...much more than being now justified by his blood." How is a man justified? "...by his blood." Well, you say, well, Jesus hadn't come yet. But Noah embraced the promises that were given to Adam and Eve and all passed on down. And Abel's sacrifice indicated that he believed that there would be a sacrifice that would take away sins. And it says, uh, Abel's sacrifice says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. So we find that faith in the blood of Christ, though he was yet to come, and this is the ground of justification. This is the ground of our justification, especially since we know of the death of Christ, and it's already happened, and we have the record of it, and the ground where. he was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. is shed blood. And the instrument cause, or the instrumental cause, if you want to put it that way, of our justification is faith. It's faith. Romans 5 verse 1, it says, And therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. So the instrumental cause is faith. And Noah had faith. By faith, Noah. And the evidence of the faith which uh, by which he was justified is that he was moved with fear back in Hebrews 11 again. He was moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. He stood in awe in the presence of God. He, he reverenced God. He feared the judgment that was to come. And he was moved with fear. He says, God's going to destroy this world, and he's, told me, he's given me a way out. He's given me a way out, and, and if I don't take it, I'm going to be destroyed with the rest of them. God's judgment is coming, and he believed God. You know, faith comes by hearing, and what? Hearing by the Word of God, by faith Noah. The second thing about him, he was not only just, but he was perfect in his generations. We're just describing at this moment his character. We'll get into his faith in a moment. After we describe his character, we'll talk about his faith. And this seems, if he was perfect in his generations... Generations, this seems to indicate that Noah and his family kept themselves from the moral evil around them. uh, Noah was a sinner like every other person born from Adam on down. But he kept himself from the moral evil around him. And even then, God respected separation from the world and its evils. And he does so today. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament to come out from among them and be you separate, says the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. You'll be my sons, my daughters. And the Bible teaches separation today. In the book of uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, uh, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Then he says, and be not conformed to this world. There's a lot of world conformers today both young and old. We need to be on the lookout. You young people, you say, well, old folks are the ones that are supposed to be separated. No, start being separated when you're young from the world and its evils. Then you won't have as hard a time when you get older. You'll already have the decision made and the practice going for you in the right direction. But God honors that. He says, Uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And he said, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we need separation today, don't we? And then, not only was Noah of that character but he walked with God. And it's only as we walk with God, it says he walked with God. It's only as we walk with God that we can live a separated life and that we are kept from the evil around us. And when we think of Noah, what about the influence of Enoch that came before him? And the Bible says that Enoch walked with God 600 years after he begat Methuselah. I wonder if, Enoch's life did not have an impression upon Noah 600 years after he begat Methuselah. I'm I'm sure he'd heard of it, and he knew about it. And I might point out here that when you walk with God, someone else is going to hear about it. And their life may be changed by your life. And if you don't walk with God, their life may be influenced some other way. So it's important. So that's the character And then the faith of Noah is described in Hebrews 11.7. Our main text, Hebrews 11.7. Let's read it again. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. We're going to try to give you seven things. Here about Noah's faith. Seven things. The first is this, that we learn, the first thing that we do learn is the ground of Noah's faith. And the ground of it is the Word of God. It says, By faith, Noah being warned of God. Notice that, being warned of God. His faith did not rest on feelings, nor fancy, or anything else, but on on what God said. God said, I'm going to destroy the earth, and I'm going to get you to build an ark. To the saving of your house. And he was warned of God. What was the ground of his faith? The Word of God. The same that's the ground of our faith today. Because the Bible says, Romans 10 verse 17, what does it say? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And when God has spoken, we better listen. That's exactly what Noah did. He said, I believe God's going to do what He said He was going to do, and I better get busy and start building that ark. Even to the ridicule of he and his family, out in a dry place, nowhere ocean to be found, or even possibly a river, and it hadn't rained so far. What could happen? A flood? I'm sure God explained to Noah what a flood was. I'm going to destroy the earth. I'm going to cover it with water. But nevertheless... He believed God, didn't he? You know, we find many times in the Bible where the word of God is sufficient to obey at command without any question. You remember Mary, the mother of Jesus, at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, when they had no wine for the celebration, and they it was made known. And Mary said, Whatsoever to the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. I like that, don't you? Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. In other words, obey the word of God. That's what Noah was doing. Remember Peter and his partners after a night of toil. You find this in Luke chapter five. Their labors had been in vain. They'd toiled all night and taken nothing, caught nothing. And Jesus said, "Let down your nets." Luke five verse four. Peter said. We've toiled all night, and we've caught nothing. We've taken nothing. But he said this. He said, nevertheless, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of our failure, regardless of how uh, foolish I think it might be to just go out there and, and have to clean these nets again. And these, remember, these were professional fishermen. They knew what they were doing. But Peter said, nevertheless, at thy word... At thy word, I will let down the net. And he did. And they enclosed a great multitude of fishes so that the net began to break. We find another incident. We're just giving you some illustrations of obedience to the word, the simple word. The nobleman in John chapter 4 was seeking healing for his son that was dying. And he told him, he says, Come down ere my son die. The fifth chapter... The fourth chapter of John. But the main verse I want to center in is on verse 50. You know, the nobleman wanted Jesus to come down there and possibly lay his hands on him or whatever or lift him up and perform a miracle in his sight. He says, Come down there, my child. My son died. He's going to die if you don't come down. And Jesus, you know what Jesus said to him in verse 50? Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. You know what caused him to go his way? He knew that it was going to happen. He knew it had already happened. And by the way, when they inquire the next day, when he gets back home and everything's said at the same hour that Jesus spoke those words, that's when he was healed. At the very same hour. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken. What well, we're trying to get over to you this morning in this first point, the ground of faith, it was the ground of Noah's faith, and it should be the ground of our faith. Paul, after a night of on the shipwreck on the stormy sea, and they were about to be shipwrecked in Acts twenty seven verse twenty five, he'd already been in the presence of the Lord. He said, there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. And then he goes on to say, therefore, he said, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it will be even as He has told me. Do you believe that everything, do you believe that it will be even as God has told you? Every word of God will be fulfilled and nothing will be left behind. You can rest assured. So we see the, First thing we learned about Noah's faith is the ground of it. And that should be the ground of our faith. The second thing about Noah's faith is this. It's fear. His faith laid hold of things it's not seen of yet. The realm of the unseen. The sphere. This was the era, The area and the power and the control and the influence. You say, well, that's, that's in the heavenlies. That's, he didn't see that. He couldn't see that. The Bible says we look at things that are not seen. We walk by faith and what? Not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. He could visualize something that he could not see. He could visualize the unseen. We know that history had not recorded a flood. There hadn't been one in Noah's day. Or it even, as far as that goes, said anything about rain. But Noah believed in the testimony of God and began his work on the ark. Where there was no ocean or river or water or rain coming down, and the sphere of our faith is in the testimony of God, and it looks to the things that are not seen. It says that God is able to make those things which be not at not as though they are. Things that are not not there. He's able to make them be there. So he walked by faith before God. In the third place, we learned the character of Noah's faith. What was the character of it? It was moved with fear. Moved with fear. You know, I wonder how many people are moved with fear today when God pronounces a judgment. Faith not only rests upon the promise of God, but it also believes His most solemn testimonies and His most solemn threatenings of judgment. Someone says, well, I like to believe and the good things, you know, God's promised this and God's promised that, but God has also said it is appointed unto man wants to die, and after that, what's going to happen? The judgment. Yeah, people that deny any hereafter, any judgment. No Noah had not only received a gracious promise, but he had been warned of a coming judgment of the flood to destroy all living things and his faith believed both, not just one. And we've got people out in the world today that want to believe that God is good. He is good. That God is love, and He is. And that He will not harm any soul, or there will not be any reverse. There will not be any judgment upon anyone. But the Bible teaches us different. If you cannot believe that God is going to judge, how can you believe He's going to bless? If you cannot believe that there's a, a eternal judgment in the future, a hell to be shunned, how can you believe there's a heaven to be gained? The same Word tells you of both of them, doesn't it? So, if you believe God, the character of faith is to accept God's Word on everything, not just a few things. We don't know what all is going to be, but that's why we warn men. Paul said, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Jude says, pulling them out of the fire and you and I ought to be concerned about the salvation about the condition of other souls because God's word just as sure as he's promised to heaven he's promised to hell just as per- sure as he's promised blessings he's promised all the he's he's predicted the judgments that will come noah had only had not only received these promises but he's warned of this coming judgment, and it says he moved with fear. This is the character of faith. We move with fear. Remember, a lot of the old-time preachers preached what, as we call it in the term, hellfire and brimstone, right? And when I used to hear a message like that, it would scare me to death. Because I thought, well, I don't want to go there, brother. And moved with fear. And it ought to wake people up. But it seems to just not have much effect on some. But I'm thankful that Jesus died and paid the penalty for my sins by His death on the cross. And redemption is by the blood of Christ and forgiveness of sins. And heaven is to be gained because of what Jesus did, and not because of what I have done in works or earning or paying for it in any form or fashion to justify myself. I'm thankful for that. Every one of us ought to be. We sing a little song before we go to Sunday school. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and free. Now, the fourth thing we see about Noah's faith is this. He prepared an ark. faith the evidence of his faith. We see the evidence of Noah's faith. He prepared an ark. Faith, if it hath not works, James says, is dead. Suppose Noah says, I believe God's going to destroy the world with the judgment of the flood. But you know, I'm supposed to build an ark, but I don't know if I can find all the wood and the timber and I don't know, start making excuses about what, it, what he would do. His faith was active. It, it was not dead faith. It was a living faith. As James says, faith without works is dead. And that's what he's talking about. The evidence of it. Which means that it would be a lifeless faith had he just sat there and not done anything. It would be lifeless. You're saved by grace through faith. But faith that saves is also active and it produces something in us and it causes us to do something. The Apostle Paul writes of justification of believing sinners by faith, and James writes of justification of faith, faith itself. He says, If you say you have faith, I want you to prove it. That's what James is saying. He says, Show me your faith by your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Let me read James chapter two, verses. 18, 14 through eighteen. James two verse fourteen says What doth it profit my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? In the case of Noah it wouldn't. He might have said, I have faith, I believe God's going to send it, but what about it? He says if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give him not Give them not those things which are needful for the body, to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone, being alone. So faith, there's such a thing as faith or so called faith that's dead. If it doesn't do anything to you, cause you to do anything, it's dead. How can you claim it's faith? So James is justifying faith itself. And he says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. And he says this, Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show, you, show thee my faith by my works. That's what Noah did, didn't he? He showed his faith by what he did. The evidence of his faith was what? The evidence of his faith was that he prepared an ark for the saving of his house. Now then, in each and every case, Noah in Genesis six twenty two, and we'll study Abel and Enoch and mention them as examples in just a moment. But in Genesis six twenty two, it says Noah did according to all that God commanded him. He what? He didn't just hear what God commanded him, but Noah did according to all that God commanded him. Faith brings obedience, doesn't it? It brings doing. It brings action. Abel had faith when he presented to God the divinely prescribed sacrifice. We talk about Abel's faith in presenting the sacrifice. But he had to do it, didn't he? It didn't just happen. He had to take that sacrifice. He had to kill that lamb or whatever the sacrifice was of the firstling of the flock and bring it as a sacrifice to God. The blood had to be shed. He knew that he should do that. He knew that that was the only thing God would accept. He didn't depend upon anyone else to do it. But he presented that sacrifice. Enoch had faith. And he manifested it by walking with God. By living the right kind of life. And Noah had faith and he evidenced it by building the ark. And all through Hebrews chapter 11, you'll find that faith is evidenced by action. To Abraham, it meant leaving his kindred in company. If you look down in verse... um, Eight, it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, what did he do? It says, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. It put him into action, didn't it? So we're talking about obedience of faith. So, we have the evidence of Noah's faith by his actions. And then fifthly, we said there are seven things. The fifth thing we see is the issue of Noah's faith he prepared an ark to the saving of his house he could not believe for each and every individual of his household and by the way no parent can believe to the saving of his child's soul that he can pray for it. he can he can do many things yet there are many examples in the bible and many examples where god blesses others because of the faith of other people the man sick of the palsy was brought to the Lord Jesus in Matthew 9, verse 2. Remember, He was let down through the tiling and let down before Jesus. man sick of the palsy. Say, what does that have to do with the faith of others? It says, And Jesus, seeing their faith. What? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing if we get all the members of the church at work and go out and, and reach someone and bring them to the house of God and the Lord look down and see your faith in the work that you do to get them the house of God, believing that if you get them here and they hear the gospel or maybe you've already witnessed to them, whatever actions have been taken, that they'll be saved. That's what it's talking about. These others brought this man of the palsy and let him down. And it says, And Jesus, seeing their faith, said, What did He say? Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, it doesn't mean the man himself didn't have faith. But it does mean the faith of the others were, were uh, instrumental and helpful. Because of the nobleman's faith back in the Bible, his servant was healed, another nobleman. His faith brought healing to his uh, servant. And because of the fervent, faithful prayers, listen carefully, of many mothers, their wandering sons and daughters have been brought back home and have trusted the Lord as their Savior. Or maybe if they've been backslidden, they've come back to the Lord. You say, what does that have to do with the one that, that has come back? It means that those prayers and the faith of the mothers and fathers in the prayers that they prayed. Many a mother has prayed for the wandering son, wandering son or daughter to return. And that prayer has been answered. See, God honors faith. So we learn, then the sixth thing we learn of is the witness of Noah's faith. It says, by the which he condemned the world. Look at verse 7 again. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world. By which he condemned the world. This is the witness of his faith. Noah condemned the world by the difference of his life and his character and his faith and his work. Faith is the opposite of sin. Faith is the opposite of lawlessness. And by the way, every Christian, let me give you this, every Christian who is walking by faith and living for God condemns the world for its opposition to that life and walk. Every Christian that's living for God. I remember many, many years ago when we first organized the church. I think it must have been a, a year, probably, I know when we organized the church, or when we started, February 1, 1959. 59. But I think it was about uh, six months later. It could have been in the 60s, maybe. But 59 or 60. We had a radio program. The people that... Uh, First opened our radio station up on the hill there behind the old police station is right on top of the hill. I had to drive up there in the snow, my change wasn't any good and in an old pickup and I'd get up there and sometimes I had to leave it halfway and walk up there and preach for fifteen minutes early Sunday morning about seven o'clock when the snow's on the ground, that's pretty early, but anyway, I came back by a little old cafe right down there this side of uh that four seasons. Not four season, but Timbers Mall. There was a little restaurant there, Riley's Cafe. And I went in there to drink a cup of coffee, warm up a bit. And here's a gentleman, I could call his name. Well, it won't hurt to call it because of the fact it had an influence on him. So I will. Ernest Burgess. He was sitting there, he'd been there been out all night, drinking and just pretty well looped. And he's sitting there at the counter He's talking about his Budweiser and his beard and so on. And he started crying. And he's crying because he knew he was wrong. He was a he had been saved long years before. And uh, I got to talking to him and he says, Brother Joyce, he says, I wish I could do like you and leave this beer and whiskey and stuff alone and and I said, Well, Ernest, you can do that. I went down to visit him not too long after that. And you know he was the first of his family to come to church when we was in the old building and brought all the family in, returned to the Lord as a result. There's a long story behind it. He got sick and I went to see him. But anyway, his whole family and the children that were not saved were saved and baptized. He brought his wife back to church the next week or two. And then he brought all the kids, one or two or three at a time. And Just by me sitting down beside him, and he knew where I'd been up there preaching, it had an influence on him. So much so that it changed not only the course of his life, which he was traveling. He'd never been in church. I've known him all my life. He's a neighbor for years. Fifteen, twenty years. Maybe more. And you know, You never know what little thing will change a person. But what does it do? The way you live as a Christian condemns the sin that other people are participating in, and it causes them to think, whether you know it or not, it causes them to think. So you live that Christian life, and God is going to bless it, and He'll bless it to His glory and to their good. All right? By which He condemned the world. Noah condemned the world by the difference of His life and His character and His. a witness is faith, and every Christian does the same thing. Last of all in our message, the reward of Noah's faith. Look, it says, he became heir of right, the righteousness which is by faith. He became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. That's the reward of faith. Faith brings its present blessings today, We have many blessings bestowed upon us today. Life. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The Bible says that godliness is profitable in this life, having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So it has its blessings now and it has its blessings hereafter. Let's just put it on a simple basis. Do you know, and and I'm going to put it in a negative way, if there was nothing else after this life, If there was no hereafter, if when you die you're just dead and that's the end of everything, no heaven, no hell, no future, every one of us as a Christian could testify that we've had a better life by trying to live for the Lord. Because it's been a blessing. Every person here that's a child of God could testify that they wouldn't have traded their life even if there was not anything hereafter. But, thank God, this is only beginning. The life which now is and of that which is to come.